highlighting all the local and national stories which impact you. It's like the healthcare bias, right? Where they think black people don't have any feeling and their skin is tougher than other people's and they don't have, you know, they, they, they really can't feel pain because there's an issue with the, the nerves in their skin. They have a much higher pain tolerance. Or the only time people come in is when they, they want drugs, right? They don't, you know, they don't. It's, it's not real pain. I find that annoying. I find that irritating. Bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't want to hear about how people were just trying to get their lives together. They were just turning their lives around. Tired of hearing it. When it comes down to people going to jail and getting sentenced, we can't hear, well, it's too harsh. We can't hear the system is unjust. And we can't hear, I hate the police. Because all those homicide detectives... They speak for the dead. You have to have them, or else there will be no justice. I say, let's hold the mayor, city council, police chief, and every officer accountable for the crime that's committed and come up with a way to fix it. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. This is the Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris. Sponsored by Concordia University on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. All I want are the books made correct. I think, historically, black people need to be made whole. If you're not going to pay us reparations, if you're not going to give us the money that you owe us based on what was taken from us and our families, the least you can do is get the history right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. You continue doing your work, man. I appreciate you. I listen to you every day. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833 212 So I was going through notes I had all weekend. And I was going through um, thoughts I had. And I want to share three things with you that I think will make your Black History Month better, since it starts tomorrow. So I want you to start it tomorrow, right? I want you to start it tomorrow so that you get it today. You can think about it, talk about it, write it down, chop it up, and then on tomorrow, start living it. So I came up with three things that I think everybody should consider during Black History Month that will give you an opportunity to reevaluate your life. Also, um, my topic today will be, I think, kind of controversial. I don't know. Maybe a little. Maybe not. But it's a question I've had, and it's not meant to be offensive. But you know, you know when people say don't be offensive, it's probably offensive. But I think what happens is... Um, We need to look at ourselves better. We need to consider ourselves better. I think we spend 
um, my favorite word, an inordinate amount of time dealing with how other people see us instead of looking at us. And so um, after this segment is over, I'm going to talk about a topic that I think is relevant today that has been, you know, irking me and bothering me. And so I thought I'd share it. So make sure you stick around. (sighs) Number one, things to consider during Black History Month. Number one, the world is purple and gray. So get used to it. The world is not Republican. The world is not Democrat. The world is not liberal. The world is not conservative. It's purple. Your vision, while looking at the world, even though the color is purple, will be gray. In other words, it won't be clear. Nothing is in black and white. And that's how it is. All right. Number two, the world is always full of competition. But when it comes to you, you have to remember that who you are will always be in competition with who you wish you were. And so make no mistakes. These are the steps to becoming self-aware. Who you are versus who you wish you were will always be in competition with each other unless you are comfortable and become intimate with self-realization. Do you know who you really are? Do you really know who you really are? Not the, not the niceties, not the other people who don't like you. And the, I mean, down to the, do you know who you are? Are you comfortable with who you are? So that you can be consistent and not worry about what everybody else thinks or says or does. All right. So number one, the world is in purple and gray. Number two, who you are will always be in competition with who you wish you were, right? But the number three, don't spend so much time making everybody else better that you forget about yourself. And that's part of the whole self-realization, making sure that you understand who you are, faults and all, warts and all, so that you can be the best person that you can be. All right? Think of that about these things during Black History Month. And those are my top three, but of course, I got to give you some bonus information. And this one is for everybody that's listening, but to you in particular. You ready? Luck is garbage. So just understand that. I don't if anybody ever tells you they they're, they're lucky. Oh, you're so lucky. Are you really? Nobody wins without hard work. I don't care what you see. 
I don't care who they are. Nobody shows up without hard work. Don't believe the lie. And for my second bonus, for those of us who are not on the creative tip and are not one of those people who can just think of stuff off the top of their head and do it and seem lucky. If you can't create it, facilitate it. If I can't teach, tell you about something, I can always teach you about something because the, one of the biggest lies that we keep hearing is those that can't teach. And it's just not true. You can't facilitate everything and you can't create everything. But if you can't create it, you can always facilitate it. You can talk about it. You can teach it. You can give life to it. But in the end, remember it's all about you. It's all about you. In the end, the only person that can make a great 2022, a great Black History Month, a great life is you. So while you're walking around worrying and wondering about how bad the world is and how bad life is and how horrible and the environment and all that crap, remember, it all starts with you. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, sponsored by Concordia University, Wisconsin, on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. I wish, I wish that I was bulletproof, bulletproof. I wish, I wish that I was Tripping on my words and my patience, writing every verse in a cadence to tell you how I feel, how I feel, how I feel. This is how I deal, how I deal, how I deal with who I once was. Now You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017. Hey, you just heard it, but got to remind you, we're the home of Milwaukee Panthers men's basketball, so don't miss any of the hoop action by listening to Panthers basketball on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, all your favorite streaming platforms, and on the Educators Credit Union, Milwaukee Panthers Sports Network from Learfield. So make sure you check it out. I want to also say thank you to Gruber Law Offices for being a founding partner of the new 1017 The Truth. We're proud to be supported by a law firm who's made such a positive impact in our community. So if you or your loved one is ever injured in an accident, give Gruber Law Offices a call. One call, that's all. So, uh, so here's the deal. I was having a conversation, and you know all the things that I was, you know, that I tend to talk about, I tend, tend to come from a conversation I was having with somebody. Which, which kind of scares people or, or kind of makes people happy. Either way, either way. Um, and it was about a topic that I hadn't thought about, but then I thought that makes sense. I think I should talk about that. Maybe give Kyle a little, you know, heartburn. Who knows? So here's the deal. I want to have a discussion and if you'd like to join me, 833-212-1017, I want to have a discussion on black immigration. And I mean black immigration, 
like black people coming here from other countries. Not the not the negative woe is me, but I heard some information on a on another talk show the other day cuz I I'm I'm kind of a junkie. I listen all over. And this person made a statement that said, "Look at all the great black people in America. They were either immigrants or they were children of immigrants." And I said to myself, "What a lie is that?" Like what? Huh? And so I, I thought, well, let me let me give this some thought before I go down the same road as other people and, you know, scream and holler and, you know, ad hominem attacks of how terrible it is and you're stupid and all that stuff. Right. So I'm not really feeling it. I mean, I get it. But. Part of the issue I have is, and and it'll sound strange, and it'll sound like I'm a white person. What is it that immigrants really think about black Americans? Because they don't want to be equated to them. They don't want to be lumped in with them. So if you're from Africa or the Caribbean or Canada, for that instance, if you're from another country and you were not born or your parents were not born here in the United States of America, I have to ask myself, and this is something that I have thought myself, there seems to be a schism that blacks from other countries think they're better than African-Americans, that we're lazy that we don't appreciate anything. And so I have two comments to that, if that premise is correct. 833-212-1017. Not meant to offend, but to discuss. How'd you get here? Or how'd your parents get here? If this country is so bad. Is it is it that black people are bad? Or that the country, but like... Help me understand why you're here. Number two, if that's the case, then I think the same group of people are then taking advantage of the civil rights movement that they didn't fight in. We did that. They didn't change. We did. And so now in 2022, we're watching numerous people take advantage of a movement of lives of some of the greatest African-American leadership known to man from Jesse Jackson to Martin Luther King to Medgar Evers and on and on and on. I mean, isn't that when the great movement from other countries that people that were black started coming to America after the civil rights movement in 1965? And so now we see this exodus has started taking root and generations are here And so to hear, you know, black people are lazy, African-Americans, I don't want to be known as an African-American. I've heard that from only one person that I've actually heard say that one person. But there seems to be an air of superiority of which I don't really care about. But (laughs) there seems to be an air of superiority that I'm African. But you're African-American or I'm black and you're African-American as if being African-American means you're lazy. That you're not really accepted. You're not really acceptable. 
And so I've often wondered, what is that? Because me personally, I don't really care whether or not somebody and and now I'm now I'm gonna flip it and be a contrarian. I don't really care whether or not somebody else has racial pride. I guess the question is, why don't black people have racial pride like that? Why don't we roll up and not care about what's going on in the world and handle our business and stay to ourselves and and create community uh, buildings and, and homes and jobs? But we do. I think we do do that. And I've seen it. 833-212-1017. Talking text line says, I worked as a supervisor in a local meat plant, and it was a predominantly Somali workforce, and some of them looked down upon non-immigrant blacks, saying they were lazy, entitled, and did not care much for the culture. Not my personal opinion, just what I experienced. And see, what I don't understand is what did they mean by didn't care much for the culture? The fact that they were able to come here and work is because we bled and died for them to be accepted. We marched. You didn't. We died. You didn't. And with all due respect, many of your countries, no one would want to move to live there anyway. That's probably why you came here. Say it. T tell me in my ear. For sure. And so I get it. And I, I understand and respect the fact that you wanted to migrate and come to a better place called America. But you didn't go through what we went through. You weren't here. You allow yourself to sometimes be treated better knowing that the schism is there and take advantage of it. See, not everybody poor is poor because they don't want to go to work. There are some things in this country that beat us down so hard that many times we just get tired because we're human and we, and we don't want to make it. But let me tell you, I've been in the room and I've seen that all that glitters ain't gold when it comes to immigrants. Not all immigrants are the great shining example of hardworking people. Because I guess they're human too. But I think what it comes down to is there needs to be some modicum of human respect. Otherwise, this schism's just going to get bigger. I, I, don't, I don't really. 833-212-1017, talking text line says the African-American is the culture. African-American did everything and still does everything. It is just the others have burned it or exposed it to the point that we have all have to start over again every time. I don't get that. Because I don't think we have to start over. I think we have to be intentional on where we put our money. Um, well, let me go from this point of view. Your time, your talent, and your treasure 
you need to be acutely aware of where you put that. You have to be acutely aware that you're in America and that you can't tell people where to put that. You can suggest, but you shouldn't get mad at people when they don't. You should understand. Like right now, I get why some of those older African-American leaders are like, I'm out. They, they tap out. I'm done. Because you get tired of fighting the same fight for decades. So then what do we do? Do we go to another country? Where? If you had to leave America, where would you go? I'm interested to know. What, what other country would you go to? Now, I know exactly where I would go. I know exactly where I would move. I know exactly where I would not move. I happen to love it here. I happen to have been successful enough to take advantage of the things that America offers. What say you? 833-212-1017, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at Radio City. I'm Dr. Ken Harris, and you're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. More of the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, sponsored by Concordia University, Wisconsin, is next on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. I want to say thank you to American Family Insurance for being a founding partner of the new 1017 The Truth. We're proud to be supported by an insurance agency who continues to step up and invest in our community. American Family Insurance. They're here to get you one step closer to your dreams, all of your dreams. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn more. 833-212-1017. Hey, it's a good Monday. I got the number right. Um, Derek said, thanks, Dr. Ken, for explaining why I didn't become successful. Those roadblocks sometimes are so heavy to we just got tired not gave up but just got older and had to leave it up to the younger people nah that's not what I mean that's not what I mean um I think one of our issues is that we don't turn things over to people now I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this uh Kyle is working on my way for him to finish. Here's my question to you, Kyle. First of all, how are you today? Everything's going well? You're doing good? Thanks for asking. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. We look good today, Ken. Our nice little shirts. Thank you. Little? (laughs) Our nice, important shirts. There you go. Great looking shirts. I'm trying to get a little pub here. Um, So, are you familiar with what a legacy organization is? Oh, no. A legacy organization. An organization that started um, back in, you know, when we were in the 1900s, late 1800s, stuff like that, right? A legacy organization, NAACP, Urban League, right? Fraternities and sororities, right? Okay. The Divine Nine. Okay. Sometimes we talk about young people taking over and young people... um, not being in those organizations, right? We, we question why do we need these organizations? One, I support them, right? Two, um, I think they need it, but I think the mission has changed a bit. 
and that sometimes we have people that are in there that are almost trying to live the old days of civil rights and want to do those types of things. But I, but I think because generations have changed, society changes, those legacy organizations, some of them I don't even know what they do, but then some of them don't do. And so my question to you is that why do you think the leadership in those organizations is older? Like, why isn't it younger? Well, I think it has to do with who is the people who are deciding who's leading. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we look at organizations, whether fraternities or sororities or their organizations like Milwaukee Urban League or organizations like the NAACP here in Milwaukee, you have a certain generation of individuals. It feels like it's their time. So if one person has it who may be in their 50s or 60s, then they may get somebody that may be younger. Like, for instance, um, I think when it comes to the Urban League Milwaukee, they just went over a change from leadership. And I'm pretty sure it passed from the same generation over. They weren't looking to bring anybody up. And I f- believe Fred Royal is still the first vice president or something like that. Mm-hmm. And somebody else became president. I th- and I feel like he might be a generation below you. And they didn't pass it off to him yet. So I'm just saying I feel like a lot of times that those at the top feel like people have to work their way up in order to be leaders of these organizations. That's why at the top is always older individuals running these organizations. Well, Fred and I are in the same. Oh, Fred is your age? We we're in the same Oh, he looks good? Generation. He looks, well, I look good, he, too. He, you what look you good, too. Well, Fred looks like he's in his 50s. Wow. And that's, I mean. So I, you're saying because I got a white beard, I look like I'm in I'm my 80s or No, something? you look like you're 60. I'm offended. But you look a good 60. That's what I say. I don't know what that means. It's like for, you look good you're for calling 60. Me old. You're no, calling me you an old. No, you look I'm good I'm offended now. Nah. You look great you for 60. In it. But, that's, yeah, that's, that, but that's just my know, perspective. You know, you know, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. But that's just my perspective as in gatekeepers and feel like people need to do uh, work their way up. And so that's my issue, young though. Person. That's that, but see, that's my issue. Um, Clarence Nicholas is the president. Who is Clarence Nicholas? Uh, president of NAACP. I never heard of him before. He gave a call here. He reached out to us about uh, doing some things. And okay. I never heard of him before that. But my assumption based off of when I looked him up in his age, he's probably 50s, 60s. Okay. And so I don't say that in a negative sense. I say that in a why don't we have younger people running these organizations and have the second vice and the third vice and the treasurer, you know, and have those be those people in their 30s and 40s that can start to learn all the things that are happening. It, it just it just maybe it's me. But I've always thought this. Right. I don't think that we should take an organization from somebody because they're older. But I think if there's no grooming in place, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me because. If it's a, it's a, if it's going to be the advocacy program that we expect it to be, um, we need people there that are younger. And I'm not talking about on the board of directors. I'm talking about running the place. And that's what that that bothers me. That um, yeah, I think it's unfortunate. And I get the fact that it's. It's about well, you got to raise money and stuff like that. I get it, but but at some point we we gotta we gotta transition these, pro, we gotta transition these organizations into younger hands, 
and then be the mentor. Now, they also have to listen, too, because there's some roads that they should not go down because you'll get caught. And, yeah, it won't turn out great. Hey, three three two one two one zero one seven. I would not have believed it if I didn't hear it. Tony from Tulsa. How's it going? <laughs> What's going on, Dr. Kid? How was Wait, the weekend? Man, I'm, first of all, you offended me uh, greatly because you haven't called me. I, I apologize. I've just been, I've been trying to make some moves. I'm trying to hone in on a new property, stuff like that. So I've been I'm just, sitting here by I mean, the phone. Air day. Right. <laughs> Sandra called me. Winky Blue called me. Uh, George calls me and hollers at me all the time. I, I love that man. But Tony from Thomas is like, I, I ain't got time for him. <laughs> I do apologize. I just been extremely busy, so yeah. I'll try to call in more often though. So See? things are kind of. Calming down now. You don't even call and holler at me, complain. Nah, nah, I was right. None of that. I was like, wow, I must have really offended him because he don't even. <laughs> so I do, I'll tell you what, I do listen um, after hours, though, just to replay, uh, just to see what I've missed or to catch up on. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think last week you, I can't remember. Everything's kind of a blur from last week. Um, but I will say, um, what you were talking about earlier is that, you know, uh, do you know who Tariq Nasheed is? Name sounds familiar. Okay, so he did, like, the Hidden Colors. Um, yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, documentaries. And so he talks about this a lot, you know, and he's definitely, he's all about FBA. Um, and, you know, the immigrants come over here for some weird reason. I don't know why they feel like they're better than us. Right. And then they don't. They they don't gravitate to us. They think they're better, and then it's just like no matter if you're Haitian, no matter if you're um, African, whatever it is, nah, we're better than you. You guys are lazy, and they they go off the persona that they've I guess they've built up from outside influences. And Correct. so, as Correct. Tariq would say, he, he would say they would go with this, this white supremacy line is that hey, you guys don't do anything, and he would have to tell them like, look, we built this country. And it's like, you guys can say that you, you know, try to say, oh, we started hip hop. No, that's not true. You didn't start hip hop. Um, Who started hip hop? Uh, they, they would say uh, the Caribbean gang started hip hop. <laughs> like, bro, bro, what are you talking about? Oh, you even gosh. got Buster saying that. Buster Rhymes is like, yeah, you know, if it was uh, Jamaican roots, I'm like, no, you guys didn't start hip hop. Sorry, brother. Wow. We were doing that before you guys came over here, way before. Clearly, clearly um, he's never so he, heard of house music, but okay. Right, exactly. Right. And so Tariq breaks it down a lot more um, than I can, so I wouldn't even do it justice to break it down. You know, he talks about Frederick Douglass being FBA and how we fought and struggled. He's like, you guys come over here to benefit off our struggle, what we did to put this together. He's like, if you were, if we were so bad and this is so bad, it's like, why you guys aren't doing that in your own country? So what's you the word you're using when you refer to people? What do, you, what do you mean, the FBA? Yeah, what is that? Fundamental, uh, fundamental black uh, Americans. Okay. So that's what we so are, that's born, what he, born and raised here. That's what we are. Ah. Right. Okay. So, like, now nah, we didn't migrate here. We, we were born here. We built this. Our ancestors built this. So um, he talks about it a lot. I would send you, I mean, he does a show like every Thursday and Sunday. 
Um, I would send you a link, but they're like an hour long. So I'll listen to them while I'm just doing stuff around the house or at my other job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way I can, I can really, really get into it and listen to what he's saying. But I mean, he breaks it down a lot. And, uh, especially when I think Biden had sent all those, uh, those Haitians back that were trying to get over here. Right. Um, um, so he did it. He was talking about just what immigration was that. He's like, does immigration help black people? And so that's where the argument started from. And he'll have guests and stuff call in um, through Skype or whatever, and he'll talk about it. And, you know, most of the, most of the time the guests agree with him. You know, some of them, you know, he was like, he just did a show it was like two hours long, and all he wanted was immigrants to call in. You know, Nigerian, uh, Haitian. Somali. Um, uh, yeah, Somali, all of them. Yeah. It's like, man, I, I, he was like, I want nothing but you guys to call in. And he was like, watch. And most of the people agree that you're like, look, you know, I hate that my people come over here and do that and say that, you know, the fundamental uh, foundational black Americans aren't, you know, they're lazy. They have this persona of being not wants to want to build up stuff. I'm like, no, we but built that's this something. Country. But that's something that someone else built about us. And that's what they saw in their country. So they came over here and they carry it with them. Exactly. And I hate that. It's like. Dude, and, and that's he also said, you know, when we go right. over there, they're not trying to correlate with us. I'm like, nah, you're not from here. So right. if right. you don't speak your language, nah, we're not dealing with you. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, so he's like, you can't have that tribal stuff. And he's like, that's what's dividing you in your own country because, oh, you're not from my tribe, so I can't deal with you. Right. Like, forget the tribe. We're all black. So that he was like, that's why South, um, South Africa is in the bad shape that they are. You're 80% of the country, but you have all the white people running the country and eating well and living well. Okay, well, you got a point there. I, I mean, you can't really refute that. Yeah, that's true. All right, sir. Any, any, anything else since you haven't been here? No, nah, that was – I know, I know, right? That was that was it, Dr. Ken. Uh, I, I, I did want to kind of delve into um, uh, a thing that I heard earlier about identity politics – um, especially with this mayoral race. I was listening to something a little bit earlier. And, you know, they were talking about, hey, we need a woman, we need a woman. <laughs> and then it just... Uh, Hello? I voted for in the last... Uh, Dr. You, you there? I am. You, you you broke up there a bit. Okay, all right. Sorry. So I was like, look, I voted for Lena Taylor at the last mayoral race. Um, I think she'll be a good candidate, but I don't want to vote for somebody just because they're a woman. And I don't want I don't want to vote for somebody just because I'm black. Um, and we, you know, all can folk, uh, all can folk ain't. Uh, what is it? It's that thing I always all skin folk ain't can folk. Folk ain't can folk. That is so. Just because you're black or just because you're a woman, I don't do identity politics. I want the best person for the job. I don't care if you're a female, male, or Martian. Well, the, well I want well, the best person for the job. Well, then let me ask you one. You ready? Should yeah. Biden pick a black female United States Supreme Court justice when the fact that he said it is actually against federal law? I I think he has the opportunity to do that on his. We if know he just came out and said it. We well, know I, that, I think but that's what he just, said. Right. And if he wouldn't have just came out and said this, and like, I don't need this, and this is what I was trying to confer earlier uh-huh. to Sherwin. I don't want somebody just to be symbolic. You know, we we have too many people that are color. But wouldn't, it be, color cool? But wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool just to have a black it woman? W- it, would, <laughs> it would be cool. 
but I don't want somebody to just screw me over. That's my same color, and it, and to be a woman, and and this is what an example that I gave him. I was like, most people don't realize how the court, how the Supreme Court is. They give all the bona fides to corporations. All these these major issues that you hear of, you'll hear about the bathroom bill, or you'll hear about um, you know LGBT rights stuff like that. Those they'll blast the social issues on media. Mm-hmm. But when the corporate issues come up, when, um, I can't remember the landslide, uh, the victory, what was the guy that I was telling you? Don, it was Don Slinger. Slinger. I, no, that's not his name. The, remember the guy that I, that I had told you about and texted you about early on that he got, um, he won a lawsuit against, was it Pepsi? It was some major court. No, it was Amico. Big oil. Because they right. did this, um, they had an oil spill, and he ended up. He went to um, he went to trial. They wanted to fight him, and he wouldn't give up his laptop to give his source. So they put him on house arrest. He was on house arrest for like eight months, and he couldn't go anywhere. And then they finally arrested him, and then there was an outrage about him being arrested. And so now he just finally got out, and he's back on house arrest. But this is the first time that has ever happened, and the the people that did the oil spill. With Amico that did it, they not they hadn't paid out yet, and so and the Supreme Court was like, "Hey, that's okay with me." So I, I don't want to. In, in the particular lady, um, the name eludes uh, me right now is um, what is her name? Uh, oh, Ken, uh, Kenjia Brown Jackson. So they was like, oh, and I, if you look at our voting record, she is corporate friendly. And we keep losing our rights to these corporations for them just to run roughshod over us. But, you know, it's cool. She's a woman. She's black. That's all right. That's the uh, circuit court <laughs> judge, right? The, the, uh, the um, right. D.C. appellate court? Yeah. Right. Not to say that, I look, nothing against us, you know, marrying somebody, but... Do you? I don't know if you know, but her husband is related to Paul Ryan. Okay. So you know she, you know she's going to get through with no hesitation from conservatives when she, when they Not want her to get necessarily. You can't make that assumption. Come on now. I'm just. Come on now. I, it's a, Would you want somebody to see you get a job and then say you only got it because you knew Dr. Ken no, no, and, no, no. and Kyle, even though you got it on your own, but just because we were like cousins or something, right? You, you no, no, get no, I'm not. I'm not no, no, I'm not saying. I'm. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not okay. saying she's only going to get it because of that relation. But I'm saying is they conservatives to say she's on our side. No, with being not friendly necessarily. To uh-uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. The fact that though. she... Well, come on. I'm only saying that because she's corporate friendly. She... We can we can be okay with her. Okay. Now, if... If if Biden said, I'm going to pick some, you know, black female that's not corporate friendly, that's when the, the Republicans will start hollering like, you know, a stuffed pig. I think but, it's a little oh, more than that. I think it's more than that. I don't. I don't know if corporate friendly is the only thing that would make or break. So, but I'm, all I'm saying is, we keep losing our rights to corporations. Okay. I mean, it really would have hurt us. It really, really hurt American people when corporations can, you know, because most people are like, oh, I don't mind my identity. My identity, your identity gets picked up and sold to third yeah, party people all away. the time. No, 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 no. no. 
You give that away. Get off Facebook. Get off Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. Off, but, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. But do you understand what I'm saying? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. You yeah, choose I understand that. what you're saying. So you know it. Now, if you didn't read that and you checked the box so you could get it for free, anytime you get something for free, you should always be weary. Exactly. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate exactly. you, man. Give us a call once a week right, or so. Let us know you're alive, working. I will. And don't take all the money in the world. Leave some of the Teslas <laughs> to us. Hey, look, all I'm trying to do is I put myself on. I'm going to put as many people on as I can. All right. That's it. All right. Talk to you. All right, guys. Have a good one. I'll chime in once a week, though. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, sponsored by Concordia University, Wisconsin, is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-2110. One seven. Interesting. Kyle is over here trying to dance, y'all. He burning. He burning a hole in my eyes. Kyle, it's like this. <laughs> he looked like one of those harem dancers. <laughs> Eight three. I, I don't even know if I can talk after that. Eight three three two one two one zero. What's <laughs> All right, uh, Ronnie, or is it Renee? I don't know. R A N I. Is it Ronnie or Renee? Renee. I'm sorry. Talking text line says earning a living and raising children are behind the older persons. Not necessarily true because we're raising our kids' kids. But anyway, I get your point. So they have time and resources and don't mind volunteering. Legacy orgs need them for their success. Not true. Here's what I think. When I get to a certain age, I'm going to give you some money. And you handle your business. I'm not volunteering. I'm not getting out and working myself to the bone. I did that. Been there, done that. As I said, got the t-shirt. What I need you to do, and this is what I believe people don't do. You make an excellent you make an excellent point. I'm in agreement with that. However, many people get there and they want to stay there and they don't want to give it up. They don't want to let go of these organizations and let them move into the um, 21st century. You know how many organizations I'm in where people will stand there and say they will not use anything electronic because they think they can keep up with it better than electronics. They don't trust it. They don't, they don't like it. Weird to me bizarre to me but and that i can't respect that i don't respect that i don't understand how we do that i don't get it <laughs> i'm sorry it's a it's a it was an undercover brother joke Anyway, um, but I get your point. But we need to create a bench. This is the message I sent back. We need to create a bench and replace ourselves, a.k.a. we need to get out the way. But we also need to turn over the resources and the drive and all those things. And I think it'll be okay. We just have trouble letting go. 
And that's in every city, every town, every organization, everything. But the flip side to that is you should not dismiss older people who are there to get the work done, who have the history, who know where the potholes are, who know where the hills are, and can help you. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harrison. Five o'clock, you think Kyle's going to be able to verify anything this week? Because last week, he got beat.